This is Against the Norm with Nick Craig. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining us. You can visit our website, atnshow.com, where you can download our podcast each and every week. You can also get the video version of the show as well. Again, all those links, all that fun stuff over on our website, atnshow.com. Well, it's been a it's been an interesting week um, for a couple of reasons, and um, if you've been following anything with what had been going on on the stock market, uh, this might be a little bit of a rehash for you. But there was a, um, I think a really eye opening, or this week I think was really eye opening for a lot of people. Um, you know, when Donald Trump ran and. All this stuff goes back to Trump. It's just crazy how this guy was just so on top of things. You go back, you know, five years ago when Donald Trump first ran uh, or began his run for president of the United States. And what was his big thing? Now, obviously, you had make America great again. He had all that. There was an us versus them mentality. And Donald Trump really brought that to the limelight for a lot of people, myself included showing how the system really is corrupt and rigged against us, the people. Right? That's that's what this was. It was us versus them. And Donald Trump did a lot to expose that, and I think woke up a lot of people. Now, I don't think he woke up enough. Obviously, he lost the election. But what we saw happen this past week with Robin Hood and GameStop and Wall Street and the SEC and, you know, Wall Street types really brought Donald Trump's point to a head. It really is the 99% versus the 1%. It really is. It always has been. But it showed its ugly head this past week, and I think woke up so many people that, I don't know, I don't know if it will have a lasting impact or not. A quick recap of what happened this past week. Brokerage firms and hedge funds shorted GameStop at 143%. The way a short works on the stock market is you borrow a share. You don't own it, but you borrow the share. And if you're shorting it, you're betting that the price will go down. So if a stock is at $10 and you believe it's only worth five, you short the stock. You get a contract with whoever you're borrowing or shorting the stock with to pay back the stock at a certain price or at the end of a contract term. So essentially betting against the company. That's what a short is. You don't believe the stock is worth what it's currently sitting at. You are gambling, essentially. You're betting money that the stock goes down in value, that it loses value. So you don't you you are rooting against the company to succeed. That's essentially what a short is. And I'm not a financial expert, but this is the layman example, uh, the layman explanation of what went on there. So, it, uh, uh, some research firm released some some information showing that GameStop was shorted at 143%, meaning 100% of its shares plus 43% of something 
was being shorted, meaning people thought that its value was less than it was worth. And they had gambled that. They had bet. They had shorted the stock. Well, the internet got a hold of that and decided to stick it to these hedge funds by buying pretty much all of the available shares, causing the stock to rise to an astronomical number. Astronomical. A a crazy high number. So, when that happened, it left these hedge funds, it left these people that had short positions with two options. Well, really, only one option. Buy the stock back at this new astronomical rate that has been pumped up by the internet. Totally legal, by the way. Nothing illegal about it. Nothing illegal. Just people buying stocks. Joe Schmoes like you and I buying stocks using apps like Robinhood or E-Trade or, or Schwab or, or, or whatever these other sites are. That's all. Wasn't anything crazy. Wasn't a coordinated attack. These hedge funds had bet against GameStop and probably rightly so. If you look at what GameStop is, it's a retailer for video games. And the world has been shut down for going on now over almost a year. So we're now we're now going into a, a period of time where a company like GameStop, a brick and mortar business mostly has not had the traffic. Presume a lot of these locations are in malls or strip malls or places with with you know that used to have high foot traffic. A lot of that doesn't exist anymore outside of states like Florida and Texas. So probably a smart idea to bet against GameStop if I was a hedge fund. It'd be a, it'd be a great way to make a lot of money. But then when the shoe was on the other foot and now the hedge funds needed to come up with these shares at astronomical rates, well then is where I think some maybe some illicit activities went on. Because you had in unison all of these apps, Robinhood, Charles Schwab, E-Trade, all, all, the, all the traders, all of a sudden, it was a Wednesday or Thursday, stopped the ability for you, the, the end user, to purchase shares or stakes or opportunities into GameStop, AMC, uh, BlackBerry, uh, Nokia, Bed Bath and Beyond. It was a whole bunch of stocks that were being that were being uh, you know pumped up in value by just being purchased. So what can we learn from this? Well, the first thing to note is that the Joe Biden administration isn't going to do anything. His administration is full of swamp creatures, full of swamp dwellers, like Janet Yellen, who has made millions of dollars with speaking engagements with Wall Street, big Wall Street firms, Citadel, which is one of the groups that was in this whole hedge fund, you know, losing their bottom side thing with GameStop shorting it. She's made millions off of these individuals, which is her right to do so. It's not, it wasn't illegal what she did, but you think she's going to hold her friends in Wall Street accountable? You think the SEC 
is going to do anything to hold apps like Robinhood or, or Schwab or any of these other places accountable? Do you think that's going to happen? I don't. Because they're all the 1%. They're all the 1%. They're all against you and I. And the second that the little guy had just a smidgen of control, they freaked out. And I've got a, a headline here from Jim Cramer on CNBC. You've already won. Jim Cramer tells investors to take the home run and sell GameStop. They can't stand it. They've lost control. Now, they're gaining control back because Robinhood and all these apps are controlled by the big money groups in Wall Street. And when those big money groups say, halt the trading, the trading will get halted. There's no such thing as a, you know, for the people trading app, which was what Robinhood claimed to be. That turned out to be uh, a load of, load of crap, not true, and showed its ugly head this past week. So us versus them is still there. Democrats and Republicans alike, we are the 99%. And it was shown yet again that the 1% is in total control. Totally. No questions about it. We don't have any power. We don't have any control. And the second that you, the little guy, have, have, has even the slightest opportunity to benefit, to make some money, to have some control over the system, they rip it right out of your hands. And they shut it down. What are you going to do if you can't buy or trade? What power do you have? What are you going to do? Drive over to the, the, the wall, wall Street? You're going to drive downtown to the stock exchange in New York City and, and trade the stock yourself? No. You're going to have to use a brokerage. You have to use a firm. But they control all the firms. To use a term out of the Democrats' playbook, any collusion? <laughs> a little bit of collusion? The second that the little guy gets just the tiniest edge up on the system, we've got to shut the whole thing down because it's, again, us versus them. This is Against the Norm. Stick with us. We'll be back. Welcome back to the program. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you for joining me. You can visit our website, atnshow.com, where you can get the podcast each and every week. All right, so we do know now that, you know, again, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but we know, we know now that, that Trump was right. I mean, there really is the, the swamp, the establishment, whatever you want to call it, the people that are really in control, that was proven unequivocally without a doubt this past week. And it's just, it, it's undeniable. Un, it's, and it really is amazing to see that this guy, Trump, was so spot on with this stuff. I mean, you, you want to talk about like a guy practically seems like to me is like a freaking time traveler. Now, he didn't predict this exactly. But the concept, the idea. The sentiment. It was all there. And unfortunately, we failed to I think a lot of people failed to see it. And 
as I stated in the last segment, there will nothing will come of this. Now, the Texas Attorney General um, may be the only person on our side. He has already filed um, and, and is in the process of filing some um, suits against Robin Hood. But at the end of the day, Wall Street is so powerful has and, and Wall Street has got politicians on both sides, Democrats and Republicans in their pocket, so deep, so deep in their pocket that there's not going to be any change. And that's why when you look at going forward, right, you look at what the next two years, four, six, eight, 10, 12 years look like in this country. You know, for me, I'm a, I'm a young guy, my mid twenties. You know, you look at what, the, what is the next 10 years in America going to look like? It, the need for an outsider, the need for somebody that isn't owned, the need for somebody that, that can stand up and say enough is enough, no more, is so incredibly important. And I'm not sure that we have that person right now. And, and I'm not saying that Trump was God or that he did everything perfect or that he didn't have certain things that he wasn't bought and paid for on. No, not at all. And there was corruption in the Trump administration. Absolutely. There were people working on the inside, giving Trump bad information and causing him to make very poor decisions. That's that is undeniable. But the intentions were there. And a majority of the work that was done was good. Trying to expose this stuff. So we look at, you know, going forward with things and you had the South Carolina GOP uh, censure Tom Rice, who is a Republican, over his vote um, to impeach Trump. The uh, chairman of the uh, South Carolina GOP, Drew Mc- McKiskin, I think is how it's pronounced, said that it's a disappointment. And this is a quote from him. Trying to impeach a president with a week left in his term is never legitimate and is nothing more than a political kick on the way out the door. Congressman Rice's vote, unfortunately, played right into the Democrats' game, and the people in his district and ultimately our state executive committee wanted him to know they wholeheartedly disagree with his decision. Now, the censure really doesn't do anything. It's more of just a formality. Um, but we need more of this. Then this isn't about to me, this isn't even about Trump, right? And and they don't even really mention Trump in this. It's the, the whole thing is trying to impeach a, or voting to impeach a president that has less than a week left in his term is nothing but politics. It's exactly what's wrong with the system. And, you know, I had dinner with a couple friends the other night and we were talking about uh, uh, friends that I have um, become friends with through politics uh, strong political ties and, 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 you know, line up on a lot of ideals. And, you know, we were talking about the, the, the party going forward and right. You've got a couple of outspoken people, Matt Gates, um, you know, just, just this group of people. Um, and there, you know, there's conversation about, you know, was Trump at the end of the day, good or bad for the Republican party. And a lot of people's knee jerk reaction is he was bad, right? Oh, he's destroyed the Republican party. Let's take a look at what the GOP was 
prior to Trump. We've got to look back at the 2008 and 2012 presidential elections. 2008, you had John McCain and Sarah Palin running against Barack Obama, a young uh, was a congressman from Illinois or some, some somewhere in the Midwest. So you had that against John McCain and Sarah Palin. The the at this point the textbook definition of the GOP. Now I I think I don't think I need to remind people of this, but John McCain got his ass kicked by Barack Obama. When Obama got almost ten million more popular votes. McCain lost Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio, all the swing states. It was an electoral college landslide. 365 to 173. A total failure of a campaign. I mean, the numbers just prove it. It's just a total abysmal failure of a campaign in 2008. That's what the Republican Party had. That's what the Republican Party ran on. Got the floor waxed with John McCain. So let's fast forward four years. 2012. A lot of people voted for Obama because, well, he was different. He was kind of an outsider, young, energetic. A lot of people just didn't know, hey, he's, yeah, yeah, I like, yeah, he, okay, he's good. All right, we'll vote for him. Well, that changed in 2012, but obviously not by enough because the GOP ran Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. Again, you even more establishment, even more textbook GOP than McCain and Palin. I mean, Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney is the epitome of the establishment in the Republican Party. And would you look at that? Similar results. Now, Romney did better than McCain a little bit, but still lost Florida, still lost Ohio, still lost Pennsylvania, and handed Barack Obama a second term in the White House. 332 electoral votes to 206. So let's just get rid of this notion that the GOP and the Republican Party was some successful party prior to Donald Trump. Because it wasn't. It had lost two presidential elections big time. Big time. So this notion that the Republican Party was some, you know, statue of perfection prior to 2016 is nonsense. They lost over and over and over again. Now, the benefit of what happened in 2008 and 2012 was the rise of the Tea Party. And I think you can look at a lot of the results of those two elections and you can say the reason that Trump was able to do what he did was because of the failure of the GOP in those two elections. Unequivocally, without a doubt. Republicans were disenfranchised. They had two terrible candidates for presidency going up against somebody like Barack Obama who had a lot going for him. Again, younger guy. Younger politician. And the GOP ran Mitt Romney and John McCain. I mean, what a freaking joke. 
So I'm not saying everybody should agree with Trump or agree with the, 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 the messages of Trump and the way that Trump did business. I'm not saying that at all. But this notion, this idea that the party was uber successful before Trump and Trump really came in and destroyed a really well-running machine is just, is just not true. It's verifiably false. Now, I understand that the 2020 election didn't go our way in multiple facets. Lost the Senate, lost the presidency, gained seats in the House, but still don't have control over it. But this is nothing new. This is what happens. One party, the Republicans, had complete control over everything. Then the Democrats take it back and have complete control now. The next go around, the Republicans will take probably the Senate back. Then they'll try to take the presidency back in 2024. This is a constant thing that goes back and forth. One party doesn't hold power forever. That's not our system. It very much is a revolving door. And it always has been. This is con. Whoever wins the presidency typically loses the House or the Senate in the, in, in the midterm election. That's just historically how it's been. With or without Trump, with or without the GOP, with or without the Democrats, that's just how it goes. So it's always how it has gone. But I really don't understand people that think, or the people that have this notion that Trump was somehow a bad thing for the Republican Party. Was he perfect? Was he God? No, absolutely not. Was he perfect in every stretch of the imagination? No. But was... Mitt Romney and John McCain, what you wanted to see is the future of the Republican Party, not my Republican Party. Stick with us. You're listening to Against the Norm with Nick Craig. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thanks so much for joining me. So getting back to this conversation about where, you know, where do we go forward without, with or without Trump? Again, was the messenger perfect? Absolutely not. There, Trump did a lot to turn a lot of people off and probably cost him the election in, in 2020. Now, I'm not necessarily sure I think he should go back and if I could go back in time, if we should change that messaging. Because the messaging was, was right. The concepts were solid. And there, there are plenty of people that, uh, you know, hardcore Republicans that didn't like Trump, you know, the never Trumpers. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with not liking the guy. You're not going to like everybody. That's fine. But again, I keep coming back to this notion that I just, I keep hearing from people and I can't seem to wrap my head around the GOP prior to Donald Trump was a, an abysmal disaster. Two terrible presidential campaigns run in 2008 and 2012. Just disasters. I mean, you had Barack Obama running against the literal definition of the establishment. And it was just, it was just stupid. And I wasn't involved in politics at that point um, due, due to my age. But just looking back at it, and I understand that it's easy to sit here and Monday morning quarterback or, you know, armchair quarterback it. But you just, you look at the numbers, you look at the response from the campaigns. I mean, Mitt Romney disappeared for three weeks before the election, had what, one public appearance? It's just stupid. Of course he lost. First of all, he was a terrible candidate. And second of all, he ran a bad campaign. So of course he lost. So then you flash forward to 2016 and you've got everybody and their brother with an R next to their name running as, running for president. 
And who comes out of it? Donald Trump. Donald Trump comes out of the primary against everything. All, all everybody he fought against constant, you know, constant battle against everybody. Trump did it. It was successful. And the American people chose him over Hillary Clinton in 2016. So do I think Trump should run again for president? Probably not. I, he'd probably lose because he has turned so many people off, right or wrong, with his rhetoric, which is what people like to talk about. But there are other candidates that have the ideals of somebody like Donald Trump. But this idea that he's just going to wither away into society is nonsense. I mean, Kevin McCarthy met with him this week, the minority in the House. Trump's not going anywhere. And it was nice to see this week that Trump came out to uh, disavow the uh, newly formed Patriot Party, which I have said many a times on this program is a terrible idea. As much as I may want a new political system uh, or a, a new political party, we don't live in that system. We live and work and play in a two-party system. I attributed it a couple of weeks ago to a, a, a football game or a baseball game. There's a set of rules that you play by. Every team plays by them. You might not agree with all the rules. You may not like all the rules, but at the end of the day, they're the rules. So you can decide not to play, but you, you can't change the rules. You either play or you don't. You play under the rules or you don't play at all. And we live in a two-party system. And anybody that thinks forming a Patriot Party is, is the solution to our problems is foolish. They don't understand how the system works. Go ask the libertarians about it. They've never had a, a candidate pull over 4%. So take that for what it's worth. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to dog on anybody that thinks that's a good idea, but it's just not the system we live in. You can do a lot more good inside the Republican Party than you can forming a party that's not going to be on any ballots across any states. It's just, it's just, it's foolish and it's stupid. Again, my humble opinion. You can disagree with me, that's fine. It's my radio show. If you don't like it, go listen to something else. I'm sorry. It's just how I feel. And this is the reality of it. But it's not. But, but let me let me be clear with this. I don't believe that the uh, that the GOP is currently in a good situation and in a good state. I don't think so at all. I mean, you've got um, Adam Kinzinger from uh, Illinois, you know, who came out Sunday and said, that, "Oh, this the Republican Party has got nothing. It's not a Trump party." No, you're wrong. You're absolutely incorrect. Like it or hate it, good or bad. Donald Trump is the face of the is, is the current face of the Republican Party. Now, how long will that last? I'm not sure. But as of right now, he is almost exclusively in control of the public face of the Republican Party. I understand he's not the Republican president anymore. I understand he does not have a position in the RNC. But he, for the time being, is going to, if he wants to, control the way that the party ebbs and flows the way that the party swings it's he's got the base to do it again look at the crowds look at the rally sizes he connects with people unfortunately he has no way to connect with them now because he's banned off twitter and facebook and instagram and snapchat and twitch tv and 
uh, you know, email services are kicking him off. He can't process payments. Banks are take are, are, are refusing to do business with the Trump organization. I mean, it's just the guy's been essentially wiped off the face of the Internet. But again, where we sit right now is going to be very different from where we are in three, six, nine, twelve months. Things are going to be very different. I, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. I'm not sure what these things are going to look like going forward. I don't. I don't know who the 2024 hopefuls are. I don't know if Trump is or isn't going to run again. I don't know if Trump wants anything to do with politics. I think he does. His meeting with Kevin McCarthy this past week would indicate that he has some interest. But I don't know. I don't, I don't have a magic ball or a, you know, something that will show me what the future is going to be. But I just think it's foolish to believe that this was some uh, well-oiled, really well-running machine prior to Donald Trump, and he just came in and just destroyed the whole thing. It's It's just not accurate. It's not accurate at all. So as we look at, you know, what that future holds... As I, as I said the first show after the election, and as I'll continue to say in, in, in shows going forward, you can't put a strong leader at the top if you can't backfill him with allies. And that was exactly the problem, in my opinion, that the Republicans and Trump ran into over his four years as, as president. He did not have enough friends, enough allies in the Republican Party. And that starts locally. You know that we have municipal elections in November of this year. Everybody's got 2022 on their mind. Like, oh, oh, midterm elections, midterm elections. You've got local elections, at least in the state of North Carolina, this year. Did you know that in the city of Wilmington, we are electing two or three city council seats and there's a mayoral election? I'm sure you didn't because it's not 2022. It's not 2024, and it's not national politics. So maybe us as Republicans, instead of being so focused on what goes on at the top and so focused on Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer, maybe we need to start this process and rebuild the foundation from the ground up. We're trying to build the third story of the house. We don't even have concrete poured on the foundation. This starts local. This has to be done locally. And I'm not saying it's Trump, but it's the ideals of Trump. It's limited government. It's getting the government out of your and my business. It's free markets. It's America first. It's not getting taken advantage of by foreign countries. It's stopping illegal immigration, crimes, things that are illegal, stopping that, not promoting it and giving and clapping and saying, yay, good job, you're breaking the law. Here's some free health care and a job. Those are the ideals. Those are the strong conservative principles that we all feel, at least most of us, we all feel, but we need to put our money where our mouth is. We need to actually elect politicians that believe and support that. I don't think those people are Mitch McConnell. I don't. I don't think those people are the current GOP leadership, in my opinion. But I don't have any control over what goes on at the RNC. I don't have any control what goes on in the Senate or the House. But you know what I do have control over? 
who's going to be the next mayor of Wilmington? A seat that has been held by Democrats for forever. How about controlling city council? How about having a profound impact on a local election? Now, there's something that I can change. There's something that I have some control over. There's something where I can have an actual impact. Now, I can go on Facebook and still complain and cry about Joe Biden and all this other stuff. But what's going to have an impact on my life? The mayor of Wilmington? My taxes? Zoning? All the things that are great for a growing city like Wilmington? So let's have an impact on that instead of complaining about Joe Biden. Stick with us. This is Against the Norm. Welcome back to the program. Final segment of the show. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me on the uh, was it the final day of January 2021. You can check out our website, atnshow.com, where you can download our podcast each and every week. You can also get the, the new, it's not super new at this point, but the new video version of the show. All the links, all the stuff for that is on our website, atnshow.com. Well, as uh, we move on into February and into March, we'll be hitting our one-year anniversary of having the entire world lock or the entire United States locked down, and it doesn't appear to be going anywhere anytime soon. Um, we had our, our, our great governor in North Carolina, uh, R- Governor Roy Cooper, extending the current modified stay-at-home order for another four weeks, um, which shuts down. Uh, you know, uh, businesses by 10 o'clock, um, bars have to stop serving alcohol at nine o'clock. I was forced with that again this weekend. Um, you know, you're out at a bar, it's, you know, eight forty-five. everybody's having a good time and, you know, ding, 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 fine. It's like, a, you know, the end of the stock market, you know, the, the bell going off, final call, final call. And you got a bar packed with people and they turn the lights on and it's like, man, this is crazy. Right. I mean, you're in the bar from, I don't know what time the bar opens, you know, noon. You could be in the bar from noon to 9 p.m. But then the second that, that 9 p.m. hits, you got to get out. So you can sit in the bar all day without a mask, talking and doing whatever. No problems until 9 o'clock. It's just, it's just idiotic. Um, so that stay-at-home order has been uh, modified and is now set to expire February 28th. I have a suspicion, I don't have anything to back it up, (laughs) but I have a suspicion that this will not go through February 28th. You are now starting to see, and we saw this literally the week after President uh, Biden was uh, inaugurated, was Democrats all across the nation starting to lift their restrictions. You've got LA is now allowing outdoor dining again. New York State is allowing some sorts of dining uh, in New York City, I believe. I read something about how they're opening for Valentine's Day or some stupid stuff like that. These restrictions are starting to get lifted. And frankly, I'm a little surprised that he extended it by four weeks. And he he might follow through with the whole four-week order. But I have a suspicion that by middle of February, you're going to have so many other states, uh, Democrat states, with... uh, 
loosening restrictions that some parts of this order might be modified. And, and hopefully the part that's, that, that is modified is about bars and restaurants, because these are the people that are really, these are the people that are getting killed by this. When you have to kick out a bar full of people at nine o'clock on a Saturday night, that has got to be heartbreaking for these business owners, these small business owners, these, you know, these bars and restaurants. You've got a full packed bar of people and you need to flip the lights on and kick them out at nine o'clock. It's just, it's just stupid. Makes absolutely no sense. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, um, that, that there will be some leeway on this. Cause I th- again, this is going to come down to what do other States do? Roy Cooper is not a leader, right? He is not, he has never been somebody that is upfront and first to the charge with anything. He is very much a follower and he's following the losing team, which is the Democrats. So he wasn't going to be the first to lift restrictions, but I think as we start seeing other States, other cities doing whatever, loosening restrictions, allowing certain things that those restrictions hopefully will be lifted in, in, in North Carolina. Cause at this point it's just not called for. It's just the, the science doesn't back it up. Mandy Cohen, you know, all of the, the, the governor, governor Cooper, none of this stuff is backed up by science. I mean, we are well past the point of science. You've got the state that has already wasted over a thousand vaccine doses because they were not administered within the proper amount of time they expired. I mean, this whole thing has just been a freaking debacle. Just, just a, a debacle from the top to the bottom. Our government officials had, at this point, eight, six to eight months to prepare for this vaccine, which, by the way, doesn't even appear to work. And some of you are saying, oh, what do you mean? Well, uh, Stephen Lynch, who is a representative Democrat from Massachusetts, received two doses of the Pfizer vaccine before the inauguration of President Biden on January 20th has just tested positive for COVID-19. Let me, let me repeat that. Let's, let's roll the tape back. A representative, Stephen Lynch, Democrat from Massachusetts, had, has received his two doses of the Pfizer vaccine because it's a two-step two, two two step process. You get your first and then your second dose. Had received those and tested negative for COVID before January 20th, which was the day of the inauguration. It was reported this week that he has tested positive for COVID-19 after a staff member in his office tested positive for the virus. That's concerning. So this guy has gotten both doses of the vaccine and still tested positive. Now, presumably, I would assume his office rules require people to be wearing masks. And I'm not sure if they're following that. But my initial reaction is that they're probably social distancing and probably wearing masks. So with all of those things in place, the vaccine, both shots of it, so a fully full vaccine, likely wearing masks, likely social distancing, he still tests positive for COVID-19. That should be a huge wake-up call to people. That this nonsense with masks and all this other, you know, this complete overreach 
of power by the government is not going to go anywhere because these clearly these things don't work. There is so much information about these vaccines. There is so much conflicting information, even from people at the top. And it's not just the vaccines. You have now this new uh, this new notion that's being pushed by people like Dr. Fauci that uh, you should be wearing multiple masks. You should have two masks on a cloth mask and then another mask on top of it. Since when? In March of last year, Dr. Anthony Fauci said you shouldn't even be wearing a mask. So in less than a year's time, we went from masks are not useful during pandemics, his words, not mine, to you've got to wear a mask to now you should wear two masks and get the vaccine. Hello? (laughs) Hello? Wake up call. I've got a a family member of mine that just tested positive for COVID-19. Works from home. Doesn't go out a whole lot. Whenever this individual does go out, they're always wearing a mask. Yet they've now tested positive for COVID-19. Fortunately, doing well with it, minor symptoms. But it just shows that this whole thing is, is just nonsense. There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no, there's, it just, none of it makes any sense. And the people that are supposed to be in charge, the people that are supposed to have the answers, excuse me, they're not supposed to have the answers. The people that say they're supposed to have the answers, the government, your state leaders, your federal leaders don't have any clue what's going on. And they're doing a terrible job with now distributing this vaccine. Again, North Carolina has wasted over a thousand doses and they say, oh, that's, that's less than 1%. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what the percentage is. How are you wasting a thousand vaccines? People are standing out in line for hours to get these things and you're allowing a thousand plus vaccines to expire. I mean, this could, this could not happen in private business because you'd be out of business. This, you can't operate like this. Oh, unless you're the, the government, unless you're a federal government or a state government. And there's no recourse, right? You have elections every four years, or every two years, but that doesn't seem to matter because the idiots in North Carolina still elected Roy Cooper to be our governor. Now, fortunately, we put Mark Robinson in the, the lieutenant governor's house, but we still elected Roy Cooper to be our governor, who's done a terrible job with this pandemic, has had some of the strictest state restrictions on gyms and other businesses this entire time has been targeting certain uh, establishments owned by small businesses, specifically bars and breweries and restaurants. This thing has just been an an unmitigated disaster from the start. I don't have all the answers. I don't. I don't want to sit here and act like I do. But I can tell you, the job that these people have done has been terrible. The inconsistencies, the flip-flopping of information, it's just unexcusable. And will it change? Not until you decide you've had enough and you need to get involved. That's what we're talking about. That's the change that we need here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Against the Norm. We'll see you next week.